Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. When we speak of faith, I believe many view that word like we do the word love. Love has so many meanings in our culture and so many applications that when someone says, I love you, they're not necessarily speaking of having a relationship where they would sacrifice for you and always have your back and always thinking about you. How many relatives have you told, I love you, when you really don't? You know, we can love football, chicken wings, working out, and really enjoying these things, but not truly loving them, especially in the biblical use of the word love, which is in the original language, the word agape. It carries the idea of a sacrificial and unconditional commitment to somebody. We see that word in the famous verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the verb form of that word agape, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So when two people embark on a relationship because they fall in quote-unquote love, what are they really experiencing? This agape love, where that undying commitment to that person has fused their souls together, or more of a honeymoon experience where the emotions are the bond. Our love is commitment forever, while emotions last as long as both parties are making one another happy. And as soon as the emotions go, the love goes. And that's what we see in our culture. That's why so many people get divorced, because they don't know how to be married. So too, the word faith is a word that we use carelessly. And faith carries the idea of trusting in something or someone with that assurance that this is true, this is real. It's not solely a religious word. Politicians use it saying things like, we have faith in our system. Athletes may say, I have faith in my own ability. Comedians may say, I have faith in mankind. (laughs) But whenever believers use it, we are saying that we have faith in Jesus. We are assured of the reality of Jesus Christ. We trust him with that assurance that his word and his sacrifice are sufficient to bring us into a relationship with the Father. And there's specific things that we trust that compile our relationship with him. It's not just a generic faith like, yeah, I have faith in God, whoever he is, or something like that. It's a faith based on a real relationship with Jesus, where the Holy Spirit is now within us. This kind of faith is based on a reality that something provable to us has occurred creating that faith. It's not a blind faith. If a Christian has a blind faith in Jesus, they're missing something big. They're missing pretty much everything. It's a real faith because we know him personally. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Or in other words, we live by faith. If we have a blind faith, we're walking blind and that's bad. But sadly, that's a reality for those who don't want to surrender their lives to Jesus. Whereas the followers of Jesus who have denied themselves and taken up their cross, we see that narrow and difficult path and choose to walk on it based on not a blind faith, rather a faith that is not seen, but understood. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We are assured by the power of God that is in us, changing us day by day, a spirit that personally interacts with us. We exercise the gifts of the spirit. Some of us do. We see the miraculous being performed before our eyes. That's nothing new. It's nothing 
out of the ordinary, not to mention as we pursue Jesus, the blessings that come out of the nowhere, leaving us teary-eyed and speechless, those things happen, and we know where it comes from. Psalm 121 verse 1, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That passage in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, where Jesus said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That word turn is used several times in the New Testament, and it's mainly used when someone changes focus in a conversation. And it's mentioned several times where Jesus would turn to somebody and address them. He would turn to his disciples. He would turn to the crowd. He would turn to this person particularly. He shifted his focus from one person to another. So with this in mind, look at the verse like this. Truly I say to you, unless you shift your focus from others to me, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And over and over, Jesus makes mention of the kingdom. And he said to Nicodemus, a Pharisee and a powerful religious leader, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom is made up of God's people and nobody else. They're people that belong to God. These are the ones that receive Jesus, not merely professing him, but truly trusting in him. John. Chapter 1, verse 11, he came to his own, that's talking about the nation Israel, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, that's faith, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That born again event, as Jesus told Nicodemus, born of God, you have a spiritual birth. So this faith that is exhibited by little children He's using that to say, this is what you guys need to look like. This is true faith, where we actually believe him, not just believe in him. You know, many of us have heard his voice on occasion. For me, it's not every day, it's occasionally. But we also sense his presence when we seek him, you know, when we're doing worship and all these things. It's like, okay, yep, God, you're here. I get it. You're ministering to me. He reveals things through his word. He reveals things through other people. He reveals things through circumstances. He's there. And once we are convinced of this, that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, we then have the opportunity to receive him and his spirit. And when this happens, by faith, that's the key to it, we now have the right to be called children of God, and that's where we want to be. Ephesians 2, 8, for grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Simple faith allows us into that grace. Romans 5, 2, through him we also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is how we know we are followers of Christ, when we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We're in the family as his children, and we possess a simple faith like a child. And that's the key. That's what opens up all of these things that so many people hear about and they don't believe. A lot of people have conditional faith. I'll believe you, Lord, if. And God's like, whatever. I just can't believe in a God who would let bad things happen to good people. Oh, so now you're judging God without even realizing how good God is. And when we have that simple faith, we realize these things. Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, that's us, 
He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He died to pay our debt, which we owed God for all of our rebellion, not only outward rebellion, but also that rebellion in our hearts. And a lot of that rebellion in our hearts, we can still possess. And that price has been paid so that we can rid ourselves of that rebellion and become children of God and enjoy life as his child. It is the ultimate way to live, being guided by God himself, knowing that everything that happens to you, everything that you do has some sort of significance in eternity. God is using us. And also, it's the ultimate way to die and go into his presence, knowing I am a child of God. And now that this life is over, I am now entering into eternity where my life just now is getting started. So have faith, make it real, make it simple, trust in the Lord, and you'll be blessed. Thank you.